It's Thursday. It's 7 o'clock, so you know it's me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Thank you for joining us tonight. Moyer, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's It's been a long week. Anytime coming off a loss, it takes a while to get the week going. But, uh, you know, now it's Thursday. It's sun's out. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. And let's see, I've got another tough one. I, I know everybody just letting you know, Minnesota is 0-2. Both their losses on the road, Close. total of four points. Yep, yep. So before we get on Minnesota, we we still have to digest and talk about this loss real quick. No, let's just go on to Minnesota. Uh, we can't, we can't do that, Moyer. <laughs> we have we have to live in the present. And now, now they lost to the Titans, thirty-three to thirty, in overtime. And it was really a tale of two halves, right? The first half is twenty-four to nine. You're feeling good. I saw a video of Pete Carroll getting the hype, the the crowd all hyped up going into halftime, and then you come out in the second half. And the Titans really dominated. They dominated the time of possession. They put together long drives. Derrick Henry had a huge play, a 60-yard touchdown to get these guys going. The offense only had the ball once in the third quarter. So that let you know right now that this Tennessee Titans team really controlled the pace of the game. They slowed it down. The first half, it was boom, 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 big plays, taking shots down the field. Second half, the Titans kind of took, took control and said, look, you're going to play our game now. Yeah, I, I remember us doing the halftime, uh, uh, you know, update, and we were up twenty-four to nine. So I felt good with the score, but Tennessee was getting the ball. We weren't, but I didn't feel good with how we were playing. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't sharp, and you know, they're they're going to correct all this too. And we went back through the film, and I go, oh my god, they have so much to correct. Monday was probably a, an interesting meeting day calling guys out and and what I mean by cleaning things up I mean just silly penalties um just not being attention to detail and we, we I can go through a bunch of those uh, as as we go so I wasn't comfortable with the way the game was being played I was just comfortable with the lead mm-hmm. but I also was going you know it's only two scores there you know I mean particularly with two point uh, conversions and stuff along the way and the time of possession was off the charts still in the first half for Tennessee. It's two games in a row. And so for me, the Seahawks you know, were just not – they weren't sustaining enough drives. I really did think defensively, though, they're going to have to throw the football. We're going to get after them. And obviously, that's not what happened in the second half. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Second half, Chris Carson also didn't touch the football as much. He did have two touchdowns in the first half, but um, that that doesn't really reflect – how he played or the opportunities that he got a positive Tyler Lockett had another great game over 170 yards two touchdowns excuse me just one touchdown but a long touchdown 69 yards another big play for 51 yards Russell Wilson played okay 23 of 31 343 yards two touchdowns I think when you think of the player Russell Wilson you just look at the overtime and you look at the three passing plays that the Hawks came out with while backed up and this week I've been on a couple of shows and they're always asking me who's to blame but who's to blame? I'm like, man, someone I, to blame. That, that was the team L, man. I mean, the offense Absolutely. played well at times. The offense did not play well at times. The offense gave up, uh, excuse me, defense gave up a whole bunch of yards. But when it was time and overtime to get the offense the ball, they gave the offense the ball. So I, I cannot place blame on one side of the ball. I say this was a true team loss. And that's not a cop out. That's really how I see it. Yeah, I could even throw special teams in there. You know, obviously the 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 missed extra point was huge. I mean, we we just scored again, which would look like we we're going to have a 15 point lead, and that is that's different because now you do have to go get a two point conversion at one one of those touchdowns if you're trying to catch up. Um, but we also had you know two two punts where they 
we they went into the end zone. You know, we didn't uh, uh, get them inside the the plus twenty, which changes field position on there too. So I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying. No one really played exceptional. And even Russell, as, as good as Russell is, and, as, and again, I thought he played pretty well, he wasn't real sharp at the mm-hmm. beginning. I mean, the first pass to DK Metcalf, you know, he's wide open on the sideline. He throws it a little high. He catches it out of bounds. So instead of that coming up third and two, third and three on the very first series, now we're at third and ten and we come up a yard short. And then uh, the one uh, where we got our opening field goal. You know, you got Tyler Lockett running a drag route across uh, the, the field uh, to our right, I guess, if you want to uh, do that from left to right. And Russell's rolling out, and it's a tough throw. I mean, mo- most human beings, that's a tough throw, but it's Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. I expect Russell to make any throw where there's a window open, and he was open. I, I guarantee Russell said I should have hit him. I, there's a game right there. I mean, there's four points. The extra point, there's five points. There's so many little plays in this game, and that's where – why Pete? I guarantee Pete couldn't sleep because he's going the attention to detail, the yeah. silliness. I, I after the game week said youthful um, mistakes along the way, and one of them was was Jordan Brooks. I mean, it's just the guy's two three yards out of bounds, gives him the extra shove. All of a sudden, we get a fifteen yard penalty. So penalties. The beauty is we can clean all that up. Yep. That the talent's there. I mean, for us to jump out twenty four to nine. It means we're a good football team. I think the frustration is we got to start putting teams away. Mm-hmm. This is the NFL. Nobody goes away. Everybody's talented. I don't even care if it's Jacksonville, who we got later in the year. You better come with your A game. I think that's uh, that's probably was the message this week. You have to put teams away, especially a team like the Minnesota Vikings, who lost to the Bengals twenty-seven to twenty-four. That's three points. Lost to the Cardinals last week, 34-33. to That's one point. And had a field goal to win the game. 37-yard field goal. And just and the kicker just pushed it right. Yeah. So if there's any time to put a team away, you have to start this week and learn from your lessons from last week. And why? Because this is a good football team. They are 0-2, but they have some guys on this roster who can get it done. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins, Moyer. This guy keeps his team in the ballgame. Mm-hmm. I mean um, – I was on a podcast with NASA Chovy. He said he has a QBR rating of 90 over how many years? It, spit that stat for us, Nas. Essentially, you, you date back to, I forgot what year it was, any quarterback who's had a QBR of over 90, active streaks, right? Number one was Peyton Manning during that Super Bowl run with the Broncos, that first run. Number two is Kirk Cousins. He has 16 straight games with a QBR over 90. Second best in NFL history. Second best in NFL history. Say what you want. He might not no. win the big games, but you know what? He'll win a couple games, and he'll tell you how you like that. Well, not only that, we know they've got guys they can throw to. I think that Justin Jefferson, the kid last year, was a rookie out of LSU. I mean, we saw him on film and went, whoa. Okay, I see why they traded Diggs to Buffalo. Not that that was a good trade because Diggs is – they could have used him too. But, you know, you get a younger guy. you got Adam Thielen as well. You know, they've got – I mean, Dalvin Cook, who has a sprained ankle – you know we're going to be looking at their offense mostly mm-hmm. because I, they've got guys on the on the defense. They got a really good secondary. They've they've had it. We kind of had their number, um, even though every game seems to be close or you know comebacks. And this goes back to the playoffs a few years ago when they missed a, a an easy chip shot field goal probably to win it. Um, it's going to be a tough game. It's Minnesota's home opener. Mm. They're go- they are excited to be back indoors and have all the fans as well. It's a really good football team. And we said the same thing last week about Tennessee. Forget their loss. Forget how they got destroyed by Arizona. People make adjustments. This is a league of adjustments, and you got to be ready every week. 
you got to be ready to go. Positive. The Hawks are 6-0 and their last six against Minnesota, so there's some positives there. But you mentioned some of the guys. you got Osborne, who's leading the charge right now. The receiving core, 15 receptions, 167 yards and one touchdown. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who just scores touchdowns. He's got three touchdowns, 131 yards. And Dalvin Cookman, this is the second week in a row they're going up against a top five, maybe eight running back in the league. Now, their run game looks a bit different. There's a lot more power, a lot more trap, a lot more guards pulling, leading with fullbacks. They're going to have to get downhill and hit this guy. He has big play ability just like Derrick Henry. Well, he's also dangerous out of the backfield. They use him in the, in the, in the passing game. He, he's, he's got a sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just reading that uh, the, he is expected to play. They're going to go with him. Uh, you know, look, it's hard to play in a sleep. You can get hurt in a game and play exceptionally well. It's hard to come during the week, be hurt, and then play a great game. Yeah. And, you know, the adrenaline usually gets you through a game when you're nicked up. It's much tougher going into one. So, you know, we'll talk more about the Seahawks, obviously, break that down uh, also. But, you know, just talk everybody off the ledge. We're going to be okay. It's we got a okay. really good football team. Yes. We just didn't close the deal last week. Got to close the deal. You have to uh, learn from your mistakes. That's why you have a week to prepare in football. You get to look at film, critique yourselves. Your coaches are going to critique you. They are going to challenge you. Pete's going to challenge Russ. Russ going to challenge his line. That's just how a functional team works. That is hey, what Bump, you do. Sorry, I'm going to jump in real quick before before we go to break here. I just want to correct myself for everyone looking at their stats. <laughs> it's the longest streak of consecutive games with a 90-plus passer rating in NFL history. Not QBR, passer rating. Passer rating. Peyton Manning is 23 in a row from 2012 to 2013. Kirk Cousins is number two all-time. 16 games in a row from 2020 currently active so we're gonna get a good game from more than likely as usual as usual okay when we return we'll get an opponent preview from matt caller from the purpleinsider.com that's next right here on hawks live welcome back to hawks live with me michael bumpus and my guy paul moyer every thursday we'll be right here now we get to talk to matthew caller from the purple insider matthew how you doing i'm doing good man i'm excited for this game it should be a great game now the people out here who aren't really doing their homework on the Minnesota Vikings are going to see this 0-2 team and say, oh, yeah, they should get this win out. They lost close loss to the Bengals, close loss to the Cardinals. Tell me that this is a good football team, Matt. Well, I can't tell you for sure that it's a good football team because <laughs> there, there have been enough weaknesses, especially in their defense, to question. Now, it has been some bad luck. Uh, Delvin Cook fumbled in overtime to set up the Cincinnati win, and then a wide right field goal um, was the cause of the loss against Arizona. But they also gave up 61 points on defense, and Kyler Murray threw for 400 yards and probably could have put up more had he not thrown it right to a Vikings linebacker for a pick six. Um, So now they face a very similar quarterback, but a better version of Kyler Murray and and Russell Wilson, which I think will be a very tough task for a defense that is supposed to be rebuilt and revamped and uh, and brand new and shiny, but it hasn't really looked like that. It's looked a lot like last year. That said, the Vikings are very Tennessee Titans-ish. They run the ball extremely well with Delvin Cook, assuming he's healthy, he has mispractice, and they've been throwing the ball about as well as I've seen from Kirk Cousins. And so I think uh, their offense is a little more dynamic and dangerous than it was last year, and that would be, I think, the reason that Seattle should be concerned. You know, Minnesota's always been scary for Seattle. I mean, we've had some great games, you know, going back to the playoffs a few years ago in in Minnesota. 
Um, let's 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 talk a little bit on this defense because their their rankings, uh, as you just mentioned, they've they've given up some yards like the Seahawks. But man, it feels like on paper both of these teams defensively should be much better. You know, share where maybe some of that breakdown's going because they've got big names. No, you're right. Yeah, I think that the biggest issue is that uh, secondaries are kind of a weak link system. So if somebody is having a bad time, uh, the opponent will figure this out and attack them. And we actually saw that from Seattle a couple of years ago when Xavier Rhodes was trying to play through an injury and it seemed that the word was out and they just threw at him and threw at him and threw at him. And well, this year, I mean, it's been Rashad Breeland. It's also been a couple of communication issues. And when you add all new names to the secondary outside of Harrison Smith, they've all got to figure out exactly how Mike Zimmer wants them to play every scenario, every route combination, every situation. And what we saw last week was a couple of breakdowns can result in a 77 yard touchdown or something like that. And nobody's better than Seattle at taking advantage of a breakdown and having Russell Wilson drop a 50 yard bomb. Um, and I think that's the biggest concern for the Vikings. The other thing is too, that, you know, there's big names and Daniil Hunter has come back extremely strong, but there's also some guys that you go, eh, maybe that's not really going to work. I mean, they, they've uh, put their trust in a fourth rounder. DJ Wanham to start across from Hunter. He's kind of been a no-show in these first couple weeks. Uh, their big idea in the offseason was to sign two, uh, well, to sign one run stuffer in Delvin Thompson and then bring back Michael Pierce, who has uh, sat out for COVID concerns from the year before. So their big idea was to stuff the run, stuff the run. And that means that you sacrifice something in the pass rush, right? And so I, I think we've seen a lot of clean pockets for opposing quarterbacks to take advantage. And even though they have all this talent, they have enough weak links to, to be problematic. All right, Matthew, I'm going to do something that we normally don't do. We're going to talk about kickers, man. Greg Joseph had an interesting Sunday. He missed the game-winning field goal, but he had a couple of 52-yard field goals. He also hit a big 53-yard field goal to force overtime in week one. How's the media treating this kicker over there in Minnesota? Well, I don't know how close you guys have followed the NBA, but there's been some drama here uh, with the NBA team that has caused sort of uh, Greg Joseph to maybe avoid being in the in the white. Uh, we may, may. thing that has haunted the Vikings for so long uh, with these kickers. Go back to Gary Anderson missing wide left in the NFC Championship game. You are very well familiar with Blair Walsh's miss in the playoffs in 2015. Uh, last year, Dan Bailey, a long-proven kicker, melted down for this team, and uh, they lost some games because of it. I mean, it's just been something that is so perplexing and haunting for this franchise that I wish I had an explanation But this year, they might have brought it on themselves. I mean, they had no competition at all for Greg Joseph in the preseason and training camp, which I don't understand because he hadn't kicked in the NFL since 2018. So I guess it wasn't super shocking to see a complete no-name kicker come up small in the biggest moment. But uh, I think Vikings fans mostly just kind of nodded their heads like, yeah, that's about what we expected from a kicker. Well, one person who's been pretty consistent is Kirk Cousins. And, you know, he takes a lot of heat, but, you know, he is – Second all time for most quarterback or quarterback rating of ninety or more, you know, with sixteen consecutive games, and only Peyton Manning had a longer streak. Yeah, so what's the take there? I mean, he's having a great year. He's got five touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of around one twelve. Um, just the take there, and, and how people are feeling about Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think that with Kirk Cousins by now, everybody kind of knows exactly what you have there. Like they know the strengths and the weaknesses. This is not Russell Wilson outside of the pocket. 
when he's got a clean pocket, when he's got time to throw, when he's in favorable situations like second and short, first and ten, third and short, he can operate as well as anybody in the league. But when anything goes a little awry, if Delvin Cook isn't running the football very well, if the offensive line's getting beat up a little bit, uh, that's when we start to see Cousins get a little shaky and a little panicky. And there's also the Cousins coaster that they call it here because he'll have the best month you've ever seen and he'll win player of the month and then he'll lead the league in interceptions the next month. And that's what happened last year. He started the season uh, kind of the opposite of this year, very poorly out of the gate, led the league in interceptions for the first six weeks and got his team to one and five. And I think the concern is that you had two very good games out of Kirk Cousins and you lost both of them. So if the Kirk Coaster has a dip against Seattle, for example, or Cleveland, who they play next week, I mean, these are must-win games now. And if he has one of those games where he just no-shows, um, you're talking about your season kind of being over if you get to 0-3 and definitely over if you get to 0-4. So I think that, uh, you know, there's always these Cousins debates that go on, but I think after you see enough of them, you kind of get why he's a 500 quarterback, but the ceiling, especially when he plays a questionable defense like Seattle, the ceiling is that Cousins can play extremely well. And I, I think that for this game, he should because of kind of the makeup of Seattle's defense. All right, let's talk about a guy who benefits directly from Kirk Cousins. Second-year guy, K.J. Osborne, is leading the team, 12 receptions, 167 yards, one touchdown. Have you guys been expecting this type of performance from this young man, or are you guys surprised at uh, his performance? No, I, you know, I think we weren't surprised because in OTAs, minicamp, training camp, he was just excellent. And, and the thing that happened was uh, Justin Jefferson got hurt in the training camp. He went down with an AC joint issue that has not been hindering him so far in the season, but uh, he had to sit out a couple of weeks with his shoulder injury, and that gave K.J. Osborne an opportunity to step into that uh, starting wide receiver role every day in practice, and we just saw him make play after play after play and said, like, I know this guy's a fifth rounder uh, and really only had one year of playing at a super high level with Miami. And yet um, we saw him, you know, stepping up to the challenge here. And this is something that the Vikings desperately needed because Irv Smith Jr. was supposed to be a huge part of this offense. And uh, Irv Smith got hurt with a knee injury that is keeping him out the entire season. So, um, you know, they needed someone to step up and they've had to adapt their offense from a two tight end offense now to a three wide offense. And if they didn't have Osborne, I don't know where they would be through these couple of weeks, and I think they may have found something uh, with Irv Smith going down and then, you know, K.J. having to step to the plate. Only got about a minute. Uh, I, I know, you know Dalvin Cook's got the sprained ankle. What's the, the status on him? Yeah, I think it's a little tricky. I, I mean, I think they're taking a lot of caution with it because uh, he hasn't practiced at all, and that's certainly a red flag. Um, usually you guys are limited if there's a chance that there's going, they're going to play. So we're going to find out tomorrow when we show up at practice. If he's practicing even on a limited basis, I think there's a great chance that he goes. And Mike Zimmer basically said, look, if he can play, you know, we're going to ride Dalvin Cook. And that's no secret. It's being let out to the Seattle Seahawks. But it's definitely something to watch because when Cook has been injured in the past and tried to play through it, it has not been the same guy. All right. Great information there from Matthew Caller from the Purple Insider, man. We appreciate your time. Yep, thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, he's been on a few times. Good, good, good call. Yeah, that's a great call right yeah. there. All right, when we return, we'll get on another great call, Moyer, because we're going to talk to defensive end Kerry Hyder. That's next right here on Hawks Live. 
You are listening to Hawks Live every Thursday. We'll be here, me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer. We also speak to a Seahawk every week, and this week we get to speak with Kerry Hyder. Kerry, how we doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us. I know you guys are getting ready to take on the Minnesota Vikings. And, man, my first question to you, man, I'm a California kid. And growing up, California, we all thought we played the best football. The older I get, the more I see them Texas boys is something else, man. What is it about Texas football? Hey, man, we just do it bigger and better in Texas, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it from where we're from. <laughs> well, I, I, who, no, who, you, know, you know I'm biased, man. Oh, you got to be. Go ahead. Well, what's amazing is uh, we had uh, uh, Kyle Fuller on last week. As a matter of fact, I think our, our three guests so far this year, everybody's been from Texas, and uh, it, it is pretty amazing. So growing up, I mean, you're from Austin. It, I'm assuming you were a Longhorn fan. So you, how'd that whole recruiting process go for you? Uh, it wasn't cool. You know, um, you know, you know, growing up, you kind of always think about going there. But, you know, I worked out for me. I'm going to Texas Tech and uh, – you know, kind of the best decision that happened for me, you know. Growing up growing up down the street, you know, you always kind of envision yourself going to that other school. But uh, at the end of the day, I was just happy I ended up going to Texas Tech. Now, Kerry, you've had a, a nice journey in the NFL. Um, you moved on from Dallas in 2018. Then you have a breakout season in 2020 uh, with the 49ers. What happened? Like, what clicked in your game? Was it something that you've always had in you that you're just waiting to really show the world? What clicked with you to allow you to play? So greatly. Well, you know, the NFL is full of great players, man. It's just a lot of times it comes down to opportunity. When you get the opportunity to play, man, you just got to give it your all. You know, everyone, every team has talent. You know, when you get opportunities, you got to show your stuff. And I, I got an opportunity to play. You know, they had some guys go down, and I just thrust into the starting lineup, and I just I was ready for that moment. I think everybody thought the 49ers were going to resign you. Um, and there were some things that went down there. How did you end up being a Seahawk? I know there's a lot of stories on that one. Um, you know, it's a competitive game. And, uh, you know, teams are always trying to make themselves better and that kind of thing. And, uh, Seattle came calling, you know. Um, you know, I kind of you kind of thought you were going to end up somewhere. But with this business, you never know for sure where you're going to end up, especially with your free agency. And uh, Seattle came calling, and it seemed like a perfect fit for me. All right, Kerry, you guys took a, a tough loss to the Titans, a game that I know you guys felt like you could have won. What's the vibe like in VMAG? What's the approach of this week? Uh, next week, you know, uh, we watched their tape. You know, we, you know, as a group, we kind of felt like we could let one get away. We didn't finish a game strong. But uh, we're really focused on this week. We really want to, uh, you know, get back on track and just play four quarters. You know, we – you know, we played a good half last week, but we just didn't finish the game. So this week we just focused on just playing four four, four quarters and, and finishing out with a win. I know last week obviously it didn't go the way you guys wanted to, but what was it like uh, finally playing in front of uh, the 12s at, at Lumen Field? That, you know, that can maybe even compared a little to where, where San Francisco versus the Seahawks with a home crowd. You know, I know it's hard for the offense to communicate when you know the crowd is as loud as it is. But for a defensive player, it was new for me. I I couldn't hear my players next to me. I couldn't hear Bobby talking. I couldn't hear those things. So that was the first time for me out there and really hearing the twelves like that. And man, it was electric out there. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear the person next to me out there. So that's you know you can't you can't really prepare for it. You just got to get into it. You know. 
right, Carrie, I'm a I'm a Cali kid. Like I, I mentioned, I grew up watching Kobe Bryant. My second son, his name is Kobe Bryant. Now mm-hmm. I see that Kobe reached out yeah. to you after your injury, man. What was that like having conversations with Kobe? Man, he just did the snake emoji, but man, it, it it made my whole day. I didn't, you know, I was kind of down that day and just kind of, you know, I guess he was saying my feelings a little bit. So when he reached out to me, man, I got to tell you, he just put a little pep in my step. It just kind of, you know, you know, you're, somebody you look up to and somebody you watch all the time reach out to you like that, man. You just, you can't do nothing but put a little fire on, under you. Well, I'm, I'm assuming it, you, you came off an Achilles injury. He had had an Achilles injury. So how was how did he call you? How was that whole thing set up? Well, I, no, it, it wasn't a call. I, I, I really just I tweeted, like, okay. I'm going to you know, channel my mama and my mama mentality. And he, uh, and he just reached out and quoted the tweet and put the snake emoji. <laughs> oh, I, I never talked to him or anything like that, but... But him reaching out like that, man, it did a lot for me. Just one little, one little emoji changed my whole day, my perspective. Man, I love it. I you love better, it. you better screenshot and kept that one because <laughs> that's a uh, that's oh, pretty. Oh, yeah, I have that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kerry, what's the the defensive room like? You know, every room has its personalities. The DBs, I got Moya here. Those DBs are the cockiest dudes on the team. No, they are just the best they, looking. They ones. say the receivers are divas. What's that D line room like? Uh, man, we are, I feel like we run a room full of jokes. <laughs> like we, you know, we know. Of course, we know when it's time to get serious. But uh, and we're always cracking on each other. We're always pushing each other. Man, it's a great group. You know, we want to see each other succeed, but we're constantly cracking on each other. We're constantly trying to push each other on the field. So I gotta say, I, I gotta say, you probably got the funniest room out of everybody. We're visiting with Kerry uh, Hyder. Um, I'm going to take you in a little different direction. You, you are a very good athlete, but as you know, you've got another athlete in the in the household, and your wife Jasmine, who was a Pac-10, actually Pac-12. I, for some reason, I read Pac-10, but Pac-12, 400 meter hurdler. Um, what? What? How did you guys meet? She went to my school, Arizona State, so I'm a Sun Devil, so I've got a lot of love for her there. But uh, share how you guys met. Well, my senior year in college, she was uh, she was helping out with the track team. You know, she was running professionally, and her coach that recruited her to Arizona State was actually coaching the Tech. So when she when she uh, went to Tech, she moved to Lubbock and was training for the uh, 400 hurdles. And I was happy to run into her. You know, and after I ran into her, that's all she wrote. You know, <laughs> I gotta. I know you've been asked this a million times, but I gotta ask: Can, can you beat her? Can you beat her in a race? Between me and you, yeah, you know, I think I can. I think I can get it, but <laughs> I ain't gonna never have it on, on tape. Though I'm gonna keep talking. I'm gonna keep talking. I ain't gonna never actually race it. <laughs> but, that means she's not in the room next to you. So you can say you can say those things, and and you got a you got a daughter who's right, what, about six years old as well, and I know that's got to keep you really preoccupied in your free time. Oh yeah, man. Whenever I'm not playing football, I'm on dad duty. Just trying to, you know, do my part. You know, during the season it's hard to get the the time you want to get in, so I try to maximize my time at home and try to spend time with my family when I go home. I feel you, man. You need a woman to hold you down, most definitely. Uh now let's talk about these Vikings real quick, man. When when you look at this film, what do you see in the Minnesota Vikings? 
physical bunch, you know. Uh, they, obviously, Dalvin Cook is a great running back, and uh, it's going to take a team effort. You know, we just can't. You know, he's a lot like Derrick Henry in a lot of ways, where he can, you know, he can hit the home run ball and again make a lot of plays. So, uh, and a lot of the offense runs through him. So, we just, you know, it's, it's going to take a group effort. You know, we we'll have to stop the run and, and rushing coverage got to work together. You know, I know this kind of sounds like. Something people say every week, but uh, you know that's the basis of defense. You got to stop the run, and you got to get after the quarterback whenever we can. Well, you got again. Last week wasn't how you wanted it. Um, what is Tell the Truth Monday like? I and mean, this is your first year there. They're, supposedly, it's a it's a very open and let's be honest with each other. Yeah, what what came out of Monday's meeting for you guys? Because you you guys are too talented defensively, you know, to 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 have two hundred yards on you. Well, we just you know we just got to do better at finishing four quarters. You know, we teams are too good in this league for us to beat ourselves. So if there's an opportunity for us to make the play or not do something to cause something negative. We gotta we gotta do it because you know we let a good team like that stay in it too long and we can make some mental mistakes. They're gonna capitalize on it. So looking at ourselves in the mirror and letting us know that you know, like hey, we played we played a decent game, but we got to play four quarters. We can't just give games away like that. That's a great thing about the NFL, Kerry. You always bounce back the following week, man. We expect you guys to do that. We appreciate you taking time out of your day. Thank the wife. Kiss the baby girl for us, man. You have a good night. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. You have a good night. All right. That was Kerry Hyder. When we return, we're going to talk to the professor. I'm going to ask him about this Thursday night football game. Are the Hawks still contenders? Moyer has some questions for him as well. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. It is 7.45. That means we're going to talk to the professor, John Klain. John, no funk music for you today, but we know what time it is. Oh, no, absolutely. Time (laughs) to get into the funk. Time to get into it. All right, John, are you watching this Thursday night football game? Unfortunately. I'm I'm looking at Sam Darnold. He is 20 for 29, 262 yards. Do you think this guy can resurrect his career so early, I guess, in his career and and really have a good – a good career overall. A good career. I don't know if he's going to have a great career. I don't think he's going to live up his to being the third pick in the draft. I mean, because again, I mean, you can see some inconsistencies in his game. But again, I think you can see that you know he's certainly better now in Carolina than he was with Adam Gaze in the New York Jets. I mean, he's you know you can see his running ability. It's a shame that that holding penalty by number 75 took away the uh, 33-yard run because that would have helped. But again, it's like uh, you're playing a Houston Texans team, and I you know, in fact I had to just walk down before they made the field goal, right? So it's 17. Yep, yeah, 17-6. 17-6. Six. So it's like, uh, you know, at least they were able to, uh, you know, they're not scoring enough points against a bad Houston team that basically has absolutely and totally no offense. With that being said, though, John, I mean, they're about to go 3-0, and Carolina. Yeah. And they did beat, they blew out New Orleans, who blew out, mm-hmm. you know, Green Bay. I mean, again, another weird year of NFL football. It's, you know, what have you done for me lately? But. You know, would that be the surprise team uh, so far this year if they go three and zero? I had to do a thing for the Washington Post this year or this last week where I had to rate the seven and zero teams, and I rated them number seven, and I said that they had a chance to be one of the surprise teams in the league. Now I think we need to see more. In fact, I even suggested that uh, you know I uh, if if they won, and I don't know, I might need to have another week just to make sure. But it's like I actually suggested that uh, you know I do a story next week for the Post with uh, Scott uh, Fitteron 
uh, just Fitterer to basically uh, talk about where this team is because, you know, Darnold, of all the quarterback acquisitions, and now we're up to, what, 14 new quarterbacks in the league, looks to be among the best, and that looks good. And then uh, you can see that uh, Phil Snow uh, is just a amazing with his blitz packages and everything else he's their defensive coordinator nobody knows who he is but phil snow's the one is designing these blitz packages and they're much better on offense and so it's like uh you know it's not maybe showing tonight but again i, I like this team all right john i'm gonna shift over to the seattle seahawks tyler lockett is having a great year 12 receptions 278 yards three touchdowns i know it's early but do you think that he can keep this pace up and be the seahawks number one receiver throughout the year uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think not. I mean, again, you know, technically, you can always say, even though Metcalf has had big numbers and big plays downfield, that Tyler Lockett has been the number one receiver all along. You know, it's like uh, both of. I mean, you know, Metcalf certainly gets the you know accolades because he's so big and he makes so many big plays and all that stuff. But I think that you weigh the the big plays that Lockett makes and the incredible runs that he has puts him in a rare spot. I mean, he's been in the NFL top 100 now for the NFL Network for, what, uh, two, three years, and he's been a Pro Bowl alternate for several several years. You know, the way he's going right now, particularly if he get over 100 catches, you know, because, again, say what you want. It's like he did have more catches last year than uh, DK Metcalf, and I wouldn't, you know, it's like, sure, you can maybe make the argument that both are number ones, but right now you'd have to say that uh, I, I still think you consider Tyler Lockett the number one receiver on the team, even though DK Metcalf has so much more talent. It's interesting. You get into your, you know, second, third year. You got, you got to adjust. And then DK's finding out again. It, it adjusts. He did last year. But mm-hmm. let's let's talk about something that uh, again I thought hurt the Seahawks. We didn't have a lot of injuries last week, but I thought we had some key ones, particularly on the defensive line. Brian Monet, you know, <laughs> tough running game. Where are we with some injuries right now? Well, I mean, right now it certainly looks questionable as far as Brandon Shell at uh, right tackle because he didn't practice today because of the ankle injury. You know, yeah, still you wonder about uh, Dwayne uh, Estridge because, again, you know, that concussion should be okay after one week, but he's still been struggling a little bit with that. So that's going to be in question. You know, Damian Lewis sounds like he's in better shape. Now he's limited, but, again, that means he's probably going to be questionable, but he's got to be much better than he was last week where he had to alternate with uh, Jamarco Jones. But overall, I mean, Rashad Penny obviously is not going to be able to play. And so uh, they're not in too bad of a shape, I think, as far as their injuries. You know, we'll see where they are with, uh, you know, Freddie Swain. You know, Swain has the back injury, but he was limited today. And I can't imagine a back injury is going to keep uh, a fast receiver out of a game. John, the NFL did a great job a couple years back allowing team celebrations, having Mm. fun, right? Mm -hmm. They were the no-fun league. Then they mess up. They get a pass interference type call in there where guys can challenge that they messed that up they fixed that so now it's the taunting right the overemphasis on taunting do you think this is something that the nfl is going to stick with or they're going to make right eventually right now they're going to stick with it because they're stubborn and uh, you know and each year they'll come up with some you know rule change that's absolutely dumb and this one's really dumb i mean here's the thing that's so bad about this it's like okay so now you have a taunting penalty particularly something that's really innocent that's not going to cause a fight you know just like uh, you know dj reed and his you know little c- celebration that he was turning was like was that celebrating himself was he trying to show up the receiver who dropped the ball and i don't think he was showing up the receiver who dropped the ball but here's the stupid part of it to add to the fact that they're doing this 15 yards 
I know. 15 yards for a taunting penalty? You're making this the same as, you know, knocking down the quarterback, knocking, you know, a roughing, roughing a, a running back, you know, helmet type hits. I mean, you're making a taunting penalty where there's no contact and making it a 15 yard penalty. Now, there's been 11 of them, and I think what the Seahawks have about 20% of them, but to <laughs> me, it's a, it's a waste of time. And again, you know, penalties right now are at the stage where, uh, you know, they've increased, you know, maybe about 10 to 15 percent. They were at 235 after two weeks. And, uh, you know, the taunting penalties adds to it. And it's crazy. John, I don't even know if you know this quite, but I'll, I'll ask it. Yeah. Um, because when I think of rules like this, like the, the I don't want to say targeting, but, you know, if you hit somebody too hard in the NFL now, you know, particularly defensively hits offensive guys like receivers, they throw a penalty. I get that because. You're trying to protect a player, and the fans, while they don't like it, the NFL is going to go, I get it, but we've got a bigger goal here. The taunting one isn't about safety, and the fans hate it. Mm-hmm. So I don't really get why wouldn't they go, right now, middle of the year, go, this is a dumb thing. Let's let's. We don't have to change the rule, because they really didn't change the rule. All we're doing is emphasizing it now. Mm-hmm. Just say it refs. Let's take the emphasis off. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think they will because I think that they're going to be stubborn about this. Yeah. You know, once they make a decision, you know, they stuck with the, uh, you know, the stupid uh, defensive interference rule and that challenge and all that stuff until uh, the entire season until it went to the NFC Championship game against the Rams and the Saints had a call that should have gone their way but didn't and uh, they end up not going to the Super Bowl and out of, out of that they said, well, gee, this cost the uh, Saints a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Let's take that rule away. And in this case, I mean, you're getting too many penalties. And again, 15 yards for taunting. Yeah. And then not, not only 15 yards, but you now put the player one half of the way from being ejected. It's, it, it really doesn't make any sense. Let's Minnesota real quick. 0-2. Mm-hmm. Zimmer's probably taking some heat here. Pretty good football team, John. I yeah. mean, going on the road, this is our home opener. You know, just your, your thoughts on how, how good of a team we're about to face who is actually 0 2. Yeah, I think they're average because obviously they've got a pass rush, particularly with Daniil Hunter, who's one of the best in the league, and they've got really good linebackers, but they're really shaky in the secondary. And that's been the way for the last couple of years. I mean, you think about the fact that, uh, you know, what they've in the last like three years, four years, they've drafted two first round picks at cornerback and they're no longer with the team and that's bad and so it's like i mean last year they were so young at line at cornerback that they were just getting carved up and i think they're still at the stage right now where they're vulnerable at the cornerback position so that that has to be a concern and then they continue to not do well on the offensive line then the other weird part and i have to double check this because i know that uh, you know there was a stat out there that actually was wrong that said the only two teams in the league that have not played uh, draft choices or even had a draft choice snap was Seattle and Minnesota but obviously Dwayne Eskridge has been on the field so he's been out there but the Vikings had 11 draft choices I know that uh, you know Darisol the uh, tackle he's hurt and they've had a couple other injuries but how can you draft 11 players and not play them all right John it's that time what do you want to talk about I want to talk about uh, what's going on with Josh Gordon Ooh. Okay, yeah. what's going on with Josh Gordon? Well, Josh Gordon, of course, uh, as Adam Schefter has been reporting for more than two weeks, has been passing every one of his drug tests. So he's all set to come back in the league. The question's going to be when. Now, if you ask the Seahawks 
they will have no word is that if they're interested in signing him if they're not interested in signing him because obviously he burned him twice with two suspensions so it's like we don't know that but here's the key and follow follow where i'm going on this guess where josh gordon continues to live bellevue seattle hmm okay and so my read is early next week he's going to be reinstated and if that is the case and you're seattle i mean and he can talk his way onto the roster i mean i think what you can see is that josh gordon will be on the practice squad he may obviously he's not going to play next in the thursday night game against the rams but also he puts himself in a position to you know at some point after a couple weeks he can emerge and challenge for the number three receiver spot you know if michael bumpus had Josh Gordon's body, he'd still be playing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gas. John, we call that gas, John Gas. Hey, John, we appreciate your time, man. We will talk to you on Sunday. You have a good night. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, John. All right, that was John Clayton. When we return, it's right. time to talk Thanks. that talk. We'll pick some topics, and Paul Moore and I will square up. Maybe Tyler Lockett, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins. You have to tune in to find out that's next right here on Hawks Live. <laughs> It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. It's time for Talk That Talk. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. Every Thursday we'll be right here, seven o'clock. Talk that talk, Moyer. This is when we kind of we, we debate a little bit. We go back and forth about certain topics. And the first one, I'll start us off. First, I want to ask you, Moyer. I want your your true opinion here. All right. Tyler Lockett, will he end the season leading the Seahawks in receptions, yards? And touchdowns. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He will. And partly he's got such a huge lead right from the get-go. And I, I truly believe this offense is not designed for one guy to go crazy. Um, he's gone crazy the last two games. And partly is, you know, DK in this league, it's a league of adjustments, right? You know, how do they play the, you know, DK Metcalf last year, this year? Um, at some point, you know, they're going to start shifting a little bit to Tyler and that's going to open things up for DK. And once they see that, I mean, I, I just think Tyler's going to have more opportunities not to be doubled all along the way. I think this offense will, will give him that shot, but I just think it's going to be hard for one guy to dominate and right now. I think he just has such a big lead. You know what? I, I disagree. I think DK is going to get going. I think when it comes to this natural ability, right? DK has that. I think Lockett is the more crafty receiver at this point in his career. That's the next step for DK. Become crafty and catch the difficult football. And I think eventually, because teams are going to hone in on Lockett, DK is going to put together two or three good weeks that at least are going to keep him in the fight and get him going. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close. They're going to be within 100 yards, 10 catches, two touchdowns. You saw what the numbers were last year. I mean, these dudes were close. So I think it's a toss-up, but I think that Mr. DK Metcalf all right, so right now you've got 278 yards for Lockett. Yeah. You got 111 for Metcalf. Mm-hmm. You got three touchdowns for Lockett, one for Metcalf. Yeah, you could talk me out of that one. Yeah. And, and, and I, I really think Lockett's going to have more yards and more catches. Mm-hmm. The touchdown one, though, is trickier because we start getting into that red zone. You know, DK's a force. I, I think the tight end's come into play as well. But, uh, you know. I'm still going to stick with Lockett. Yeah. But uh, the touchdown one I think is going to be the toughest. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to go last week. When you get double-digit leads, I, I'm not going to say double-digit leads. I'm going to say more than one score. So let's get nine points or more. Is that fair? Yep. That means you're a pretty good team. I mean, you're, you're doing some really great things. 
you know, last year we had a bunch of those. Defense was struggled in the first you know half of the season and got it right in the second half. We've done that again twice in two games. And last week we're up by 15. We're up by 14. Should have been up by 15 uh, into the fourth quarter. Will the Seahawks? And will this be the last time the Seahawks blow? And I hate saying blow. Will they last time they give up more than a score and lead in the fourth quarter? I'm going to say no. And I say no because this is the NFL, and there are going to be times where you are going to fail. I think this offense is still trying to figure themselves out. It looks like a good offense. I think you and I both agree we like what they're doing, we like what they're trying to accomplish. But uh, there are going to be times where it, it just ain't working, where you come out hot and, like we mentioned during the, the post game, have time adjustments, meaning that two minutes that the coach has got to speak to you, they throw a little nugget in there and say, all right, look, we're going to do this. And, and maybe it changes. I just know how this league works, man. Mm. No one goes undefeated. There's never a flawless game. There are going to be times where your quarterback struggles. There's going to be times where your defense struggles. I'm going to give them one more time this year. I don't think it's going to be a habit, but one more time. You know, again, giving up a lead happens. You know, you're up by three, six, whatever. I mean, teams score. And then, again, that, it's just part of life. Giving up a double-digit lead, though, that those are rare. Matter of fact, it's the first time, I think, in Pete Carroll's uh, time here that, you know, going into the fourth quarter that that's happened. But it's not just on the defense. It's not. You know, it, it's it's a lot on the defense because I'm paying you guys to stop these guys now, and they are th- they should be throwing the football. Last week we found out Tennessee said, ah, we'll, we'll run it. We're, we're fine. Fourth quarter, we're, we'll, we'll still run the football down, you know, two scores. But the offense – Man, went three and out, three and out, three and out, four and out. You know, I don't know if it was quite in that order. One of those was actually, a, I believe, a touchdown. But um, they got to help them out, too. This was a team fourth quarter loss. Yeah. Defense gave it up with the big play, the big running play. Offense not sustaining drive, not getting first downs. They almost doubled us on first down. So I think we get it corrected. Okay. I think if we got a nine-point lead or more, we're not giving that up again this That's year. A wrap. Not, I, I just we're too good a pass rushing team. I believe our secondary is good. We got we got to get better. I think we're going to make a huge improvement from this last week to this week and how we how we play. Um, uh, I don't know. Just 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 tighten things up. Not making silly mistakes along the way. And team loss. We got to throw special teams in there. There was not an too. extra point that was missed, and they, that. Kind of bit them in the butt later. All right, now, next question. Aaron Rodgers, man, we've been talking mm. about him a lot this offseason, mm-hmm. especially during the season. First week against the New Orleans Saints, he's 15-28, two interceptions, doesn't look good, one sack. Looks like he's been vacationing all offseason. Second week against the Bears, 35-17 to win. 81, 81, He completes 81% of his passes, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Was Aaron Rodgers right? Are the Packers okay? Should we go back to what he said a couple years ago and just relax? Well, if they had have played the Bears, I might have changed my mind. But I think they played Detroit. And they beat Detroit 35-17. They were down at halftime to Detroit. Yeah. It's Detroit. Detroit what? At home. Aaron Rodgers played well. He's, what, 22 for 27, four touchdowns. You know, look good. He still looks like a yoga instructor to me. (laughs) I just don't think yoga instructors are built to last a season in the NFL. Do not, for all you yoga instructors, be tweeting me and all that. I love (laughs) yoga. I think it should be a part of every person's life for a lot of good reasons. But if that's all you do, I truly think that's all Aaron Rodgers do. No, 
I think I think Green Bay's in trouble. They to me didn't look good against Detroit. Maybe Detroit's better than we thought. They've actually played pretty well two weeks in a row. Um, no, no, they they are who they are. You know, I think they're going to be okay. And what made me a believer was watching some of the throws that Aaron Rodgers made against Detroit. I know it is Detroit, but he's still off his back foot. He's sliding to the right. He's off balance. He's still making the Aaron Rodgers type throws. I like your point to where he don't look like he's he's built to last. Mm-mm. But you know who else don't look like he's built to last? Tom Brady looks like man. If you hit him too hard on a Tuesday, he's done for two weeks. He just doesn't look like a very strong football player. And, and at the quarterback position, I don't think you need to look like that. Um, but I just I believe in the magic of Aaron Rodgers for some reason. Yeah, Tom Brady, and I get that. that's a good point. Um, you know, the difference between Tom and Aaron, Tom's. Says I'm I'm not holding on to the ball more than two seconds. Yeah, Aaron wants to backpedal. He wants to extend and you know look all pretty as he's leaning back and throwing off his back foot. So, no, no go for me. All right, twenty seconds. Josh Gordon is available. Do you take a chance on him? Yeah, and that came from uh, our last segment with uh, with John Clayton and and potentially uh, him being available next week. He's living here. Yes, I'm taking him. Athletically, he's crazy. They put him on the practice squad. I don't think we need him right now. But if you put him out wide with DK and Tyler inside, mix in some Eskridge as well, just as pure that his presence alone, Josh Gordon, makes teams go, ooh, do we leave him alone? Yeah. All right. I don't know where I stand on that. I think you got some young guys who are ready to go. I don't know. That, that's a tricky one. All right. When we wait, were- wait, wait. All right, all right. Yes no, or no? No. Okay. No, don't take it. Let I D, can't put, let, hey, let D live. The bell let didn't Freddie ring. Live. It didn't ring. My bad, There's boy. no white. There's no towel <laughs> that was thrown in there for you. All right, my bad. Okay. My, my bad, boy. Just all checking. Right. When we return, we're going to go inside the film room. Bobby Wagner sack. He got Tyler Lockett's touchdown. Henry's 60-yard touchdown. We'll break it down right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bump is hanging out with Paul Moyer. We're about to go inside the film room. This is something that Moyer and I really enjoy doing, right? As we both play, we both coach, uh, there's nothing like watching film and breaking down what really happened because a lot of people sit on their couch, Moyer, mm. and they got all the answers, but they can't tell you what a Texas stunt is. They can't tell you what, what that nine tech is. They can't tell you what a cover three is. So, Moyer, we're here to help the people learn the game. I like it. And there's, as we say, you're never as good or as bad as you think you are until you go into the film session and find out what's really going on. Yep, got to tell the truth. All right, the first play we're going to break down, Bobby Wagner sacks Ryan Tannehill on third down to force a field goal. Tannehill from the shotgun with a slot near side. Tannehill gets hit and goes down on the blitz. Bobby Wagner came flashing through untouched, and he just buried Tannehill back at the 15-yard line, an eight-yard loss, and Dave, you mentioned it. There may be no better blitzer from that inside backer spot. Boy, there's a lot of good things here. First of all, shout-out to Bobby. A really productive day. 20 tackles, uh, franchise record uh, last week, and I know he's not happy about it because, you know, we lost and they gave up a lot of yards and stuff. But this is something he's been doing well for so long. It's something I, I, I love. I actually like it when they uh, have a bit of a five-man front, you know, this bear look, um, which isn't – I'm not describing this play right now. And then shoot the the tackles, our defensive tackles out wide and, and pull the guards out wide too so there's a big uh, space there that he can work one-on-one against the, the center. I, I've – seen hardly any centers that can beat him or can lock him up uh, one-on-one like that. But in this particular play, 
they just run a little stunt. And it's really the reason why I say it's a little stunt is Bobby Wagner times is so perfect. And as soon as the center puts his head down because they're in a shotgun look, um, as soon as he puts his head down, this comes from film study, he knows the ball is going to get snapped right after. So his timing of it's perfect. And so they bring our left tackle uh, inside uh, the guard and center kind of mess it up. They should have actually picked this up. But Bobby's so fast, by the time they realized what was going on, the guard looked and Bobby said, where'd he go? Where'd who go? <laughs> and it was a big sack. I was actually worried on this play that we were going to get a personal foul because Bobby really did a bear hug high and went towards his helmet and neck or above his neck. And nowadays you just don't know what they're going to call if you hurt somebody too much. Uh, but just it shows it's still a speed, his explosiveness, uh, another big play by Bobby Wagner. Big play by Bobby. The thing that sticks out to me is Ryan Tannehill. He's not even looking at Bobby. He looks at this the offensive line and what they're bringing. It says, look, I'm protected on that side. Even if they stunt that, I should be good. It's a numbers game. So Ryan Tannehill's looking to the left. And then you mentioned, man, Bobby Wagner times it up perfectly. Big hit on Ryan Tannehill, forcing them to a field goal. Every game I look for a signature Bobby Wagner play, we got one in week two with this play for sure. All right, next play we're going to break down. Russell Wilson finds Tyler Lockett for a 63-yard touchdown in the second quarter. Wide slot, far side. Russ play fake. Being chased. Now he looks. Now he throws back. It's Tyler Lockett. Waits, makes the catch. Breaks the tackle. 30, 25. They're not going to touch him. 10, 5. Touchdown, Tyler Lockett. Touchdown, Seahawks. A 63-yarder that Tyler Lockett stopped, started, broke a tackle, and then broke the tape at the finish line like he was winning the 100 in the Olympics. The building is rocking, and the Seahawks go on top 9-6. to Now, this is just beautiful. I look at Tyler Lockett's release, and he understands what he's trying to accomplish. Now, you, you young receivers, you don't just line up to the line of scrimmage and say, okay, I'm running a post. You got to have a plan, and this – Shows Tyler Lockett has a plan. He knows he's going to sell that corner, right? But he knows, oh, look, I'm going to go back to this post. So what does he do? He takes an inside release and says, look, I'm going to let this defender think he has me on the corner. At the top of his route, he turns his shoulders to the corner. The defender's like, I'm in great position at this point. He snaps it off at the top, breaks to the post, and says, look, there's nothing but space and opportunity for me. Russell throws a deep ball. The rest is Tyler Lockett. Our friend Bradley McDougal, who used to play on this ball club, takes a horrible angle, and the rest is number 16. This is a receiver who has a plan and who understands how to attack a defense. Yeah, good good protection. I, this is one where Russell kind of slid uh, inside the pocket, bought a, just a little bit of extra time, throws an absolute dime. Um, and you'd mentioned sometimes there's deception from receivers, right? Yeah. So if I'm covering you, particularly my backs to the football, there's times where I've got to play your hands, right? I'm looking at your hip and what kind of route you're going to run. Yeah. And there's a guy named Steve Largent that many people are familiar with. I'll never forget when he was playing against Lester Hayes. <clears throat> Is Lester? I think it's Lester Hayes uh, from the Raiders. I mean, he was he had all the, uh, you know, stick him on his arms and everything. Just a fantastic corner. And I, We were playing at home in the kingdom, and they were battling all day. And Lester's, you know, just – bump and run, mirroring him wherever he can go. But Steve's having a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. And it's like 20 yards downfield. And Steve runs a fade route. You know, gets an outside release. Lester's uh, got him pinned to the sideline. But Lester liked to read his hands. So he's running, and all of a sudden Steve puts out his hands like it's a fade route. 
Mm. And as soon as Lester turns around for the ball, he stops and does a 20-yard comeback. Ooh. Oh, it was good. Nasty. Yeah, it was nasty. And so Lockett has a little bit of that deception in him in his route. So that was my point. Too. Yeah, and he has his own style. Yeah. No one runs routes and plays like Tyler Lockett. I love to see it. Next play. This one might hurt a little bit. Mm. Derrick Henry, 60-yard touchdown run in the fourth. Henry stays in the backfield. First and ten. He gets the handoff. Starts left. Cuts back inside. A missed tackle. Turns upfield. Being chased by Diggs. Down the near sidelines. Stiff arms Diggs. He's going to go in. Are you kidding me? Derrick Henry goes 60 yards down the near sideline. Seattle had done a magnificent job the entire game of bottling up number 22. He bounces outside. Two tackles missed, and he goes 60 yards for a touch. And just like that, Tennessee right back in at 30-22. to 22. Yeah, this one hurts me as a coach because I've got the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I won't describe the, the whole thing on this, but uh, they, they come into a tight formation, like a, a wing look, even though I think one of them is a wide receiver to our right. Jamal Adams is in between what – you know, I, I used to a, a wing formation. So he he blitzes and he comes into it. I, I, I don't even know what gap we're, we're looking at here at this point. But he, he comes inside between the two tight ends uh, or the it's actually wide receiver. But it looks like a two tight end set. I'm yep. trying to describe this for people. The ball is in our, is on our far left hash mark as a defense. It's offense's far, far right hash mark. And everybody gets washed down. Matter of fact, Jamal gets washed down so far, even though he gets penetration and it gets upfield he gets washed down so far he gets pushed all the way all to where the ball was almost to the hash mark so now trey flower and, and by the way this is like a little veer or or what i would call just uh, what would you call this uh, uh, we've got henry takes a jab step to his right and then he comes back to his left uh it's a misdirection Mis- kind of a misdirection yeah. and what it what it does is when you get flow what we call flow the running back going to the left side of the defense Everybody has a, a certain gap. Yeah. Well, as soon as he makes that misdirection and comes back the other way, everybody's got to shift over back to the other side with their gap. Bobby doesn't make that adjustment. Uh, Jamal gets too, washed too far. So now you got Trey Flowers sitting out there as the force in the hmm. contained corner. And he's got so much space. It's a one on one tackle in the open field against Henry, yeah. who's six foot three, six foot four, 255, 60 pounds, runs a four five. And what surprised me is he runs away from everybody. It's you know it's not a bad defense. It's just this is technique. Mm-hmm. These are the little things. You, you can never get washed in this situation for Jamal. Jamal can't. You can't get run up field. You can't get washed down inside. Now I would say for Trey, Trey, you got to try and squeeze that as much as he can. I my, it was my original thought. You got to squeeze it down. Try to get in the hip pocket of that tight end. Or in this case, it's a wide receiver off the ball. Yeah. Man, it's just too much space. Yeah, way too much space. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Moyer, I think that Jamal can do a better job of not committing right now, right? He gets in there and he gets washed because he gets that penetration, gets pushed in the back. He makes, as a receiver, all right, if I know that, okay, this run is meant to pop outside, if you go inside, I'm like, yep, I'm going to push you on your shoulder. I've done my job. I don't even really need to make a great block. I just need to take you where you want to go. That's what Julio Jones does. And then I feel bad for Trey Flowers. They don't pay him to make tackles like that. That's, that's, uh, you, now, he should make tackles, but that's not – you don't expect your corner. It's not like he's Richard Sherman where, you know, Sherman used to make those tackles. But I don't see corners as open field tacklers like that. Um, 
But yeah, but yeah, lots, lots of technique. This, here. this is tough one. And again, I see what Jamal sees. Jamal sees that uh, misdirection step going to his left. And again, Jamal's on the right side. He's blitzing down the line of scrimmage, basically, or, or in the backfield, but down the line of scrimmage. He thinks he's going to have a blow-up shot on Henry. Mm-hmm. Henry does the misdirection, cuts it back, and then you have Trey. Trey right now is going, uh-oh. The only thing I would tell Trey is, guy, if he could have just shut it down a little bit sooner. He, he actually comes two or three yards into the backfield. Yeah. I would have tried to sit a little closer to, this, to the line of scrimmage there. But, I, look, honestly, I'm looking at this play over and over, and I go, Trey is in a tough situation. And this shows – one of the most nimble plays for a man who's 260 pounds. Mm-hmm. Look at the cut. And again, for those who get a chance to go back and look at it, you know, Bump and I are looking at it right now. Look at the cut he makes on, on Trey here. I mean, this is a one-step cut upfield, and look at all that room. Nothing yeah. Trey can do. Nothing he can do there. That play changed the game for sure. All right, those were our three plays. Bobby Wagner sacked, Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett, and then Derrick Henry, 60-yard TD run. That definitely changed the game. When we come back, we're going to go around the NFL. Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson. Gronk makes a confession on Monday Night Football. All that is next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on a Thursday. If you weren't watching the game, uh, the Panthers got it done. Good win by the Panthers. Sam Darnold, 23-34, 304 yards. And two rushing touchdowns. They're three and zero. Three and zero. Three and zero on a Thursday. Hey. That's a good feeling. Yeah, it is a good. Feeling. You, you get, get to chill all weekend. And, oh, it's the best. Watch it go down. It's all right. Best. So now we're going around the NFL. We're going to start with Stephen A. Smith. We all know he has very strong opinions about things, and he talked about two quarterbacks. There's a quarterback in the NFC West that's making a case and saying, "Look, man, don't forget about me. I know Matthew Stafford's new to the block. I know Russell Wilson is here. You got to." Maybe a controversy brewing in San Francisco with Garoppolo and Trey Lance, but Kyler Murray's been doing doing his thing, and Stephen A. Smith has something to say about that. Which quarterback would you rather have, Russ or Kyler? Shockingly, I'm going to tell you Kyler Murray, and I'm fully aware of the greatness of Russell Wilson. He's a first, he's a future Hall of Famer as far as I'm concerned. He's carried the Seahawks franchise on his back. I love me some Russell Wilson. He is special. Yeah. But Kyler Murray... Ladies and gentlemen, he's putting everybody on notice. He's 24 years old, okay? This brother already has passed for nearly 700 yards in two games this season, seven touchdowns and three interceptions. He's completing over 73% of his passes. And I'm looking at this dude just make things happen. He's got an arm. Um, When you talk about, I mean, when you talk about a guy that can move in and out of the pocket, extend plays and create opportunities for his offense, in terms of running with the football, there's nobody better than him other than Lamar Jackson. All right, Moyer, why is he wrong? Why is he right? How do you feel about this? I don't know if he's wrong. Um, I think Kyler Murray heard me in preseason say, <laughs> he, he's just not accurate, and uh, he's, he's stepped up his game. Well, he's second in the league. He, he's right uh, with 689 yards. He's got seven touchdowns. You know, the thing I, I, I like to look at, and I, I, I do believe you know, that they're doing a pretty good job of making him get rid of the ball. You know, is he completing 80% of his passes? I, I 73.5. I don't know. I'm not completely sold at it. I would say this. After two games, I think the, his legs are so dynamic and it's such a big part of this game nowadays, you know, to, when protection breaks down and with the receivers he has. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying Stephen A is wrong after the first two games, but let me tell you what. The last eight games of the year, 
in the last three games and you go into the playoffs. That's what matters. Oh, I promise you, you want Russell Wilson. Yes. And Kyler Murray's he's good, man. He's short, though, man. I just, I don't know. Teams are going to figure that part out. Yeah, see, I, this is the way I feel about Kyler Murray. I love what he does. It's exciting. He extends plays. But when you go on a road trip, you don't take the sports car, right? You take the reliable. You take the <laughs> SUV. You can fit the family in there. You know it is there for the long Oh, that's how I see Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is like, look, I'm the dependable vehicle. All right, you got you to gotta tune me up. You got to take me to the shop, make sure I'm good to go. But I'm going to be there for you, like you mentioned, the last eight games, the last three games. I just have to see a full season from Kyler Murray. You can only depend on those legs so much. A lot of his big plays are broken down plays where he makes things happen. Now, there's a guy, Patrick Mahomes, who kind of does the same thing. It just looks different. I don't know what it is, boy. It looks different when Mahomes does it. It looks like it's more sustainable when Mahomes does it. Mm-hmm. I think Kyler Murray had two better weeks than Russell Wilson. But in the long haul, man, I'm taking Russell. Well, I mean, let's go ahead and look at Russell's numbers just a little bit. And by, and by the way, just got Patrick Mahomes is super accurate. Yeah. With an incredible arm, and he's mobile. Kyler has a strong arm unbelievably mobile, he not super accurate. I mean, he, he's, he needs the dinks and dunks. But you, you just mentioned that he's completing 73% of his passes. Well, Russell Wilson's completing 74% of his passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray has seven touchdowns. Well, Russell Wilson has six touchdowns. you got a quarterback rating. Uh, what's, what's Kyler's quarterback rating? One, I apologize. It's not sitting. 71.6. Oh, excuse me. 121.5. Yeah, 121.5. We got Russell Wilson with 146.9. Mm. So Kyler Murray has played the best two games of his life, and it's still <laughs> not as good as Russell Wilson. Tell him, Moyer. But they are 2-0. and And the NFC West has not lost a game in regular uh, time so far this year. <laughs> Only in overtime loss. Well, well, let me just add some food for thought right now. Number one, Kyler Murray does not have the career he has right now. He's not even in this league if there wasn't for Russell Wilson. That's true. Number yep. one, that's point blank. But I will say this, a little devil's advocate here. The things that we're saying about Kyler right now, some people said about Russell in the sense of it's an unfair comparison. Russell has done so much in this league. When Russell first got in, everyone compared him to Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He didn't have as much time in the league at that point. But now, I don't know, are we saying the same things about a young Russell Wilson that he just makes too many plays with his feet? He's reliable about this. He's only good when the plays break down. Are we making the same mistakes that maybe we said about Russell Wilson that we, other people said back in the day? All right, so I'll, I'll add to that. When Russell was coming out, did you think of him as a runner or a thrower? Runner, all day. Did you? Yep. I thought he was a runner. He rushed for 800 yards one season. Yeah, no, that was like a uh, year – Whenever it was a year we, we didn't rush very well, but um, I, I still thought of him as a thrower who could run. I think Kyler as a runner, ah, run? that's a tough one. Well, because Lamar is starting to come out of that that stigma too. And everybody says oh, he's a runner. You know, he's not a thrower. He's starting to I think prove some doubters on that one uh, wrong. I don't know. I, I if you took the mobility away from Kyler, I think he's done. You nah. take some mobility. You think he can win just on throwing the he football? He can still throw that thing. You think man. he can just because I think Russell can sit in the pocket and beat you. Okay, but all right. Well, all right. You take away his legs, he becomes say like an Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have great legs, but he can move a little bit. Yeah. He can slide in the pocket. He can extend some plays. If he had the legs of Aaron Rodgers, I think he's still okay. I just, I think Kyler's just he, he Kyler has to have the legs because he's so short. 
You know, I mean, he's really limited in seeing over linemen. So, so you're I, saying he's done after your eight, nine. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I, 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 I want, I'm trying to make a good analogy here, and it's not doing very well for me. I just think you take Russell's legs away, which, look, Russell doesn't run as well as he used to. No. He, he, he's still shifty. He knows how to escape, but he's not running by anybody. Kyler is. Yeah. I just think when that goes away, will Kyler be a guy that you you fear throwing the football? Because I think people now go, oh, I fear Russell, Russell throwing it. Yeah. And maybe that Kyler turns into that. You know, time will tell. Time. But I will take Russell, though. I'll take Russell, too. All right, real quick, we're going to talk about Rob Gronkowski. He made a confession on the Peyton Manning, or excuse me, the Manning brothers make a cast on Monday Night Football. My teammate Cam uh, Bray uh, just asked me the other day, he goes, Rob, I have a serious question. He goes, do you ever watch film? And I said, no, I don't. It's I just run by guys. If, I, if I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. <laughs> so I don't know how to answer that, Eli. I don't watch film, but I do just watch film when, when, the, when the team is showing it. <laughs> so... Uh, and I actually do go up to Tom because I know Tom watches like, I don't know, 40 hours of film a week. I go, Tom, who's covering me this week? What type of coverages are they doing? <laughs> I, I love it and I hate it at the same oh. time. I love it because he's honest and he's that good to where he probably doesn't have to watch it. I hate it because, Moyer, I needed to watch yeah. film. I needed to know what they're going to look like on third down. What, what, what are they going to be their adjustments? Who am I going up against? I look up and I would mark down to the third step is he out of his break? What by his third step? What is he gonna do in this coverage? Like I had it down to a science. So I love it because he's just good and he's honest. But I'm jealous because I had to watch him. Yeah, most guys look. First of all, you we watch a ton of film just in your position meetings, right? I mean, it's they get everything broken down. Here's by formation, where you are on the field, down a distance. Oh, and by the way, here's some tendencies on these players. Go look at this. And by the way, you got some cut-ups. You know, look at third down. Look at uh, play action. You, you get all of that stuff along the way. So most of us have watched a, a ton of film. But there's others that watched a lot more. I liked watching film. I've always liked it. Now, I didn't study the players like they probably do today because, quite frankly, it wasn't an HD. And, you know, I couldn't see, you know, the fingers moving and things <laughs> like that they do today. I mean, yeah. it was more about formations and all that other stuff. But the Seahawks used to do something that was really funny. Back then, have you, have you ever heard of VHS tapes? Of course. Okay, you're, yeah. you're, you're not too young. For those out there who are listening for the first time, VHS, <laughs> what is it? They're, they're videotapes that they would make, and they would give them all the players and give them to them with cut-ups and, and other games. Most of the players, we've watched enough film. You don't yeah. need to go home and put on a VHS and back and back. Well, one day they said, by the way, we know if you've been watching it, because we can tell if the, I don't know, they made, by the way, they made this up. Uh-huh. So players would go home and stick the tape into their tape and just let it run to the end, pull it out, and give it back to the film guys, <laughs> thinking, oh, these guys know, think I watch film. And yeah. then I found out later from Tom Firmstad and, and some of the other guys, they said, oh, we just made that. We had no idea if you guys watch <laughs> film. And, um, but, yeah, you, if you're an NFL player, you're, you're putting in 20, 30 hours a week of film work. Moral of the story, kids, watch film. Prepare yourself for the test. If you ever walked into a class and you ain't study and, and you get that exam in front of you and you are lost, that's how you will feel on a football field. Yeah, unless you're Rob Gronkowski. Unless you you're just Gron. get an A and you just show up and say, what are we, 
What's the test on today? Hey, and there's always a kid like that who can do that. Yeah. <laughs> just shows up during, during the week, and then he's good to go for the test. Yeah, I used to have uh, – I said, come here, come here. Will you, do you mind doing my – here, give me the answer. <laughs> no, Jesus. No, I never did. No, never did that. ASU, that never happened. All right. No. When we come back, we will give you our final thoughts and the keys to victory for the Seahawks. That is next here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday. I'm Michael Bumpers along with Paul Moyer. Last segment of the day. Mm. On the sheet here, it says show, recap, final thoughts, and keys to victory. Show, <laughs> recap. Hey, I think we did our thing, Moyer. I think we had a good show. We did. It's always always fun. We, we, we have a good time here. Look, keys of the game on this one, it, we could go the same route almost every week because usually it's turnovers, things like that. I'm going to go on a little different this time. Uh, and actually, I think uh, Robert Turbin may have said it in our pregame show last week. We got to sustain drives. We got to start getting first downs offensively. We, if you go and look last week, I don't think we had a drive. Matter of fact, I I, I remember it now. We had two drives over two minutes. Mm-hmm. Two, two of those were four minute drives. Both times we punted. Those were our two longest drives. Everything else was under two minutes. Um, you know, not a lot of first downs on any of them. I think we had 17, 18 first downs last week versus you know thirty two, thirty three. That can't happen in this league. And, again, I love the big play. I love scoring. But you start looking at what Tennessee did to us defensively. Started running the ball. We got some long drives. Boom. Offense is off the field in a minute and a half. Defense got to go back out. Now, I'm not putting it on the offense. That's not the offense's fault or job, you know, the defense. But we've got to sustain drives. We we got to start eating some clock. We got to get some first downs wear their defense out a little bit more, and that's really what we haven't done the first two weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. Sustain those drives. Here are the scoring drives for us. Five plays, 57 yards, a minute 58. Three plays, 83 yards, a minute 44. Two plays, six yards. Seven plays, 75 yards. Three plays, 66 yards. And you look at none of them over two minutes. None of them over two minutes. Now, the Tennessee Titans, man, they they, they took control of this thing. Eight plays, 80 yards, four mm-hmm. minutes, 23 seconds. How many 12 plays, 68 yards, 3 minutes, 44 seconds. You hit on hit it on the head. 33 first downs to the Hawks, 17. You have to have the ball to control the tempo of the game. And I think the Hawks offense can do that. They showed that the first week, right? There's a quick game. You can check stuff down, get things going. We don't want to eliminate the big plays. We're not saying, oh, no, we don't want that 69-yard touchdown from Lockett or that 62 from Freddie Swain. We're just saying, look, in between those big plays, let's put three or four drives together to really wear this defense down like the Titans did. And the Hawks have a running back who can wear defense down. 32 runs hard. Let him touch the pill. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, there is, you know, there's a human element to this uh, that people sometimes forget. This is video game. These are human beings, yeah. and it's a physical game. And if, you, if you're an offense and you're wearing them out and you get these seven, eight-play drives or 12-play drives, Man, it's taxing on a defense. We're tired, and then you go to sit back down, and it's you know it's warm. You know it's still we're still got some some weather going on. You get to have a little drink, and if you got to go back out there, even though you just you scored, I'm happy you scored, yeah. Mike. I'm, I am, <laughs> um, but I need a break because I'm physically I'm starting to get get tired. And I, I've I've said this forever. It's really important to get first downs. It, it last week we were get we were. We weren't getting first downs on mixed downs. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming up third down all the time, you go first down, second down, third down, man, it's just a law of averages. You can convert on 50% of your third downs, but at some point in that drive, I'm off the field. 
So I need to start getting eight, nine play drives with one or two third down opportunities. Because if I've got four or five, uh, likelihood of us scoring is really difficult. It's just not the odds aren't in your favor. And you speak of third downs, the Hawks were four for 12 on third downs. Not great. They never really have been a great third down team, at least not in the last two or three seasons. So they need to clean that up. Now the Vikings, they're going to run the football. They're going to run a bit different. They're going to run some power. They're going to run some trap. They're going to lead with their tight ends. They're going to lead with their fullback. They have the ability to play hard-nosed football in the bots and spread it up, spread it out on the outside with Thielen and Osborne and Justin Jefferson. I mean, we said it last week, Paul, and I don't think people really believed us. We're going to say it again this week. This is going to be a tough game, and you're going to Minnesota. You mentioned earlier it's their first home game. They are going to be ready to go. Yeah, they, they've got some heat on them. Zimmer, their head coach. Normally, I would say I, I want to play a team who's lost. I'd rather play a team who's lost a game than won a game. And, if, and the reason for me is if you've won, you're playing well. If you've lost, you're usually not. I'd rather play the team who's not playing well. Now, sometimes there's some adjustments that, that come into play there. This one is a little different because they're 0-2 and they are a wounded animal. And they are at home. They can't lose this game. They lose this game, Minnesota. They're out of play. They're out of play. You go 0-3. The statistics on that's crazy. So the Seahawks have to play the best game of the year. It. I don't know if it's the yeah, – actually, I'm, I wouldn't even say it's a tie with Indy. I think it's a similar team. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a better quarterback than Wentz. Uh, but, you know, they got skilled people that are a challenge like last week. Last week they had a ton of skill position – you look at uh, Minnesota across the board, wide receivers, running backs, quarterback. Um, you know, we'll see if they can protect them. And if we are, we've got to start playing some man-to-man. we got to start taking away the short stuff. Yeah. If we're going to keep playing three-deep zone and teams are, are as hot as they are throwing the ball and dinking and dunking, and not even dinking and dunking, but hitting seven, eight-yard plays, I think Bobby Wagner had ten tackles in the passing game last year. So they're working that middle of the field. And if you're dropping in the zone – we're, we're giving some of that up. So we're going to have to tighten some things up, play some man-to-man, just play with play with confidence on defense. This game is crucial, man. After this game, you got the Niners at the Niners and the Rams come into town. You get into the division. Yep. Um, you have to get into these division games feeling good about yourself. And you have to get into these, these division games correcting a lot of your wrongs. Russell Wilson has played some good football. Like minus the overtime. Yes. Um they only had the ball once in the third quarter. You got to tip your head off to the Titans. They really just controlled that game. Russell had a chance to win the game. He just didn't do it. Doesn't mean the magic is gone. This is the NFL. Guys are going to make plays. So I just want to see this offense continue to grow. And like you said, this defense is tightened a couple of things up. We need some more plays from those defensive linemen. I think the first week we saw Rasheem Green. We saw Daryl Taylor. Those guys kind of disappeared week two. They're young. They're still finding their way. Um, I like when – Rabel is calling names out that aren't Lockett, D.K. Russell, and Jamal Adams. So Everett, Disley, Carson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. We're, we're spreading the football. It didn't feel that way last week. It's, it's as comfortable as Russell looked the first week. I don't want to say he looked uncomfortable last week. He just didn't look for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. You know, I, to me, I, Tennessee was a better defensive uh, line than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, they. Uh, Damian Lewis was hurt. I mean, you go and look at the first two plays, uh, you know, Dwayne Brown got, you know, pushed back. The next play, uh, Damian Lewis got pushed back, and Damian was was hurt. I'm, I'm hoping he's healthy because that – I think that's a big factor in our run game. We try to run to the left side. We, we, we need Damian Lewis healthy. And, and you know, if you get him 
Dwayne Brown together, both healthy, we should be able to run the football. I like that. I like that Alex Collins should get a few more touches this week. You know, that one big run he had, uh, it was a great tackle by the defender there, but he had a nice run. D. Eskridge is going to get healthy, and then I think offensively you get those tight ends back in the game. I'm not worried, um, but I'm a a a bit anxious for this game. I want to – there's some things that I – I want to see and I have to see to make me have the same feelings I had week one. Yeah, I'm not worried. I, look, Seahawks, I mean, what's Russell Wilson's record after a loss? Are you kidding me? That's I mean, bad. it's it's off the charts. He's going to play. Well, we're going to play better because we have things to clean up. And that is the one thing about a loss. You go back and fix things. You know, you, you when you're winning, sometimes you go, eh, we're good. You don't mm-hmm. quite self-scout as, as hard as – Sorry, Pete, if you're listening. I know you guys self-scout. <laughs> but you you don't worry about something that may be working. Um, so we're going to correct some things. We're not going to play youthful mistakes this week. And uh, I expect a nice win for us. No youthful mistakes. If we do that, there should be a W in the win column. All right. Well, hold on, but let me cut you off. Before we get out of here, right. Paul, you talked about record after loss. So Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has a 7 0.791 winning percentage after an in-season loss. It's the best since the 1970 merger. Mm. He's 34-9 following a loss. That's pretty good. That, that goes back a long way, too. So that's a W. <laughs> it's a dub. Well, it's, let's put it this way. If you were in Vegas, that'd be a good bet. Yeah, good bet. Yeah. Good bet. All right, bet on these Hawks. Before we get out of here, special thanks to Matthew Collar, Kerry Hyder, and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board-operated DJ Wilder and executive producer Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with my guy, Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.